Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited about a new episode of our podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Mackenzie Morris. She's currently Recruiting Operations Coordinator for the University of North Texas football program here in Denton, Texas. She's an incredible young woman of character, loves the Lord. I can't wait for you to hear from Mackenzie, so let's jump right into it. Thanks for joining today, Mackenzie. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on. You bet. So I like to start this off with some background information, just so listeners can understand a little bit about who you are. So if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about where you grew up, your family growing up, um, and, you know, just describe your childhood. Yeah, so I am a coach's kid through and through. When I was born, my dad was a football coach. Before that, he was a football and basketball coach. So I've never known anything other than being a coach's kid. So Originally from the state of Texas, anytime somebody asks me where I'm from, I just say Texas because we moved around so much whenever I was younger that there was never a place that I called home. So sometimes I'll say Dallas. Then they're like, oh, well, where did you go to high school? And I'm like, well, I went to high school in South Carolina. So it's kind of a funny trying to describe where I'm from because I'm not really from anywhere, but I like it that way personally because you know, it's given me a chance to meet a lot of cool people. And so, yeah, my dad was a Texas high school football coach for, oh gosh, up until I was about 13. Then we moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. He got his first college coaching job as the offensive coordinator under Todd Graham. Then after one season there, we moved to Clemson, South Carolina, where he was offensive coordinator under Coach Sweeney. And after that, I... We, my entire family moved back to Texas and my parents went to Dallas. So my dad got that head coaching job at SMU. I ventured on down South to Texas A&M University where I got my undergraduate degree. Like I said, I'm a coach's kid. Don't know anything different. Grew up in football and then college football more recently. It's kind of become who I am. So it's a pretty much me in a nutshell right there. (laughs) That's awesome. So Growing up, did you was it a family of faith? And then at what point did did you make that your own faith, um, understanding that you needed that personal relationship with Jesus? Yeah, so we grew up going to church. Uh, Stephenville, Texas, we went to a First Baptist church there, went to Sunday schools. Sometimes I was happy about it. Sometimes I wasn't, but I was really young and didn't, you know, wasn't taking it too seriously just because of my age. And it wasn't until we moved to Clemson, South Carolina and started attending New Spring Church that it kind of started to resonate with me on a uh, more personal level. And I vividly remember sitting, we usually sat in the second deck of New Spring, but for some reason we sat on the first floor, my sophomore year of high school. And I, this feeling came over me while the pastor at the time, his name was Perry Noble. He was preaching and just had this feeling unlike anything else. like the presence of God was overwhelming. And that's kind of when I started taking my faith really seriously. And I was involved in Young Life through my high school. New Spring would do a Wednesday night youth. What I don't even remember what it was called, but it's kind of for high schoolers and middle school age kids. So then... Fast forward to college, I it definitely kind of didn't stray away from my faith, but didn't, you know, wasn't as devoted as I had been in high school. And then once I graduated, 
I kind of got back into my groove of, you know, reading my Bible frequently, going to church a lot and just everything that my family had gone through, I took it even to an even bigger level than what I had already taken it to. So yes, we grew up going to church, loving the Lord, knowing nothing different. And that's, you know, it's kind of where, how I got to be where I am now. That's awesome. We'll talk a little bit about, uh, a little bit more about faith a little bit um, later. I want to, you mentioned obviously growing up, the daughter of a coach was so, is there any pressure being involved in sports? No. So people ask me that all the time. And, you know, if my dad had any say in what I was doing with my life, he would not want me to be in college football, which sounds funny, but he knows, you know, there are good and bad people in this profession. So there are a lot of pros and cons and, you know, his role as my father is to protect me. And, but, you know, I'm kind of stubborn. So I definitely didn't take that route and loved college football. Actually went to Texas A&M to be a veterinarian, figured out really quick that that was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. School, uh, in a kind term, kicked my butt. So I thought about, you know, then the next love in my life, which was college football and was like, you know what, I've already kind of been exploring, working and recruiting because that's what I would do over the summers, uh, at SMU and loved it and was like, you know what, I can make a profession out of this. And that's kind of how I got into it. So no, my dad did not pressure me into this. This was completely my own decision, almost by default, just because kind of the vet route didn't work out for me. So no pressure, but I'm really glad that I got my foot in the door with this. That's awesome. So what, so talk about, you, you mentioned doing some recruiting in the summer. So that's what you're doing now. But before we get to that, I want to ask you, you mentioned SMU and then y'all had a, um, a move to Arkansas, which I think you went there as well. Um, and yep. then things got cut short there. So talk about walking through that as a family. I mean, you're, you're in the SEC, which is, you know, the top. I know mm-hmm. some people want to argue that, but it is, it is you know, in the coaching <laughs> profession and football, that is it. You know, so talk about, you know, Yep. being told no more, you know, going through that as a family. And then is there something that, you know, that God taught you personally or your family through that? So you're right. SEC West is, you know, the goal for a lot of people, recruits, coaches, support staff. And with that comes pressure. So our time at Arkansas being cut short, was one of the most difficult periods in my family's life. And we've been pretty blessed. And so to say that that was the most difficult, you know, we're, we're very lucky because it could have been a lot worse, but it kind of started, it was that 2019 season and it got off to a bad foot because we lost to San Jose state. Well, that the day after losing to San Jose, we found out that one of my dad's old quarterbacks who was basically like a brother and son to all of us had passed away. And then we lost our oldest golden retriever, which sounds silly, but if you have dogs, you understand they are your family. And she was the best. Then a couple of weeks later, being blindsided by Arkansas's decision to go with a leadership change. It was, 
it was difficult to say the least. And people are really quick to judge us from the outside looking in because all they saw was the wins and loss record, which is kind of unfortunate because that's, that's really all that matters now and rightfully so. But there was also a lot of behind the scenes work that, you know, the team and my parents were doing with the community and the university. So it's just, it, it was very, very difficult, not to mention the backlash that we received from social media and still do to this day, which is kind of crazy. But, you know, that's the a part of being in the SEC. People are very passionate, especially at Arkansas, because they are the only team outside of Arkansas State. They don't have a professional team. There's no basketball teams like the University of Arkansas is what that state lives and breathes by. So, you know, my dad is a great man and role model, and he put everything into that job. And so after our, we got back to Dallas, it was kind of like, what now? And we didn't really know what's, what to do. And our faith as a family had grown tremendously that season anyway, just through all the hard times that we were having to go through. And even after we really leaned heavily on God's plan for us because we had no clue why any of this had happened. And it's kind of hard people there and tell you, you know, trust his plan. He has a greater plan for you. Well, we just got fired and, you know, we've gone through all this hardship. What, what is this plan for him? And I had, I remember sitting in his office one day and I was just, I was overwhelmed because this was like right after our dog had died and she was, she was my dog technically. So I was like, dad, I just don't understand. So I don't understand why any of this is happening. And then lo and behold, two weeks later, I really wasn't going to understand, but it, we, we really leaned on, you know, trusting God's plan for us, no matter how hard that seemed. And it made it even harder with the critics on social media because, you know, we, my dad, I think had to delete his Twitter for a little bit and, I think we all kind of took that route and Chandler was committed to my little brother. Chandler was committed to Arkansas at the time. So he had to decommit, which they didn't like that very much either. Cause you know, why even announce that it's kind of understood, but uh, not only did we grow stronger in our faith though, we just grew as a family. You know, it gave us a chance to spend time together because I moved back to Dallas with everyone and, because I was in grad school at Arkansas and ended up transferring to an online program through the University of Florida. So I was able to stay with my family and it kind of ended up working out though, because Chandler was able to go somewhere that he wasn't tied to my dad as his coach and at OU, which he's not TCU, but that's, you know, it still worked out for him. And then it worked out even more for me because I was kind of able to kickstart my career a little earlier than I was anticipating because going to Arkansas, I was like, all right, I'm going to get my grad. I'm going to start grad school, get my master's. Then I'll go from there. Well, thankfully coach Luttrell took a chance on me and hired me on full time with the university of North Texas. So I was able, I've been able to start my career sooner. So in the big picture, it's worked out for the the best way it possibly could have. And so, you know, when people say trust his plan, well, this is exactly what they mean. We didn't see this coming, but it's worked out for the best. So, you know, it was hard, but we got through it and we're stronger because of it. And that's, that's really all that matters in the, in the long run.
That's a good perspective. You said something in there though, that I had a conversation with another person this last week about when, you know, when you're going through something difficult, Christians are very quick to go, Oh, just God's plan. Well, that is true, (laughs) but that's not really comforting words um, when you're dealing with hurt or loss. So I'm glad you said that because that's been burning at me all week talking to this friend because he's going through some deep hurt and Mm. a lot of the Christians are actually being some of the most, I'm not going to say unkind, but less helpful because it's that cliche language that a lot of times we talk. So um, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. But, um, you know, the other thing that stands out, it's, you know, it's, it is true that, you know, God does have a plan and we do have to trust his plan. You know, when it doesn't make sense, you you look at Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good. So he takes those bad pieces and brings it together. So that's an awesome testimony to that. And you mentioned, um, jump starting your career at, at UNT. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what your role is. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, you know, what, what does that look like? So I am, my technical title is recruiting operations coordinator. Now in a nutshell, that's pretty much on campus recruiting. So Anytime a recruit comes on campus for an an official or unofficial visit, I'm the one that kind of plans and hosts him and his family. And so, you know, piggybacking off of that, if they end up committing to us and signing, then I kind of go through that process where I help them get adjusted. So I get them, uh, you know, help them get applied for school and situated dorm room housing academics you know I kind of anything that deals with them coming on campus that's my role and it's kind of been a little different recently because we're in a dead period because of the NCAA so you know haven't had a chance to even really have anybody on campus actually so you know when I got hired on it was a year ago actually just a couple weeks ago, I think was whenever I was offered the job. So we maybe had two unofficial visits before COVID shut everything down. So I haven't really had the opportunity to fully embrace my position and do my full job, but we've been finding ways around it. So, and no job is too small for everyone. So I've had to play nutritionist operations, um, almost had to chart for our offense during a football game. So it's kind of uh, been unique, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because I've learned so much. And I'm excited because hopefully we'll get out of this dead period and I'll actually get to do my full job, which is what I'm being paid to do. But so it's been awesome. I've loved everyone I've been working with and, you know, I'm excited to go into year two with them. That's awesome. You know, and, Recently, I say recently, the last few years, the buzzword in, I mean, all levels, but especially college football is culture. What's the culture of the program? So what would you, how would you just in the real quick, Mm -hmm. you know, what's the culture of the UNT football program? So Coach Luttrell actually has, we, his core values, there's three core values that are everywhere in our facilities. And it's selfless, tough, and disciplined. So that's kind of the words that we live by as a program. You know, selfless, putting others before your own wants. Tough, regardless of anything. If you get hit, you got to get back up. If, 
you know, school's hard. You have to keep going. You just need to be mentally and physically tough and then discipline. So everything you do, you do it as, as if you were serving anybody else. And, you know, when you're asked to do something, you do it right and you do it then and just whatever else comes with being disciplined. So that's, those are our core values that we as a program live by. And then Coach Luttrell is very big on family and being involved. He gives us, so Thursday nights are date nights for the coaching staff. And even though I'm not married or, and I'm single, but that still applies to me. So everybody leaves early on Thursdays at about two and they go spend it with their families. And I just think that speaks to the kind of person he is, you know, that's, that's rare because some places, you know, you're going to grind until midnight every single night, but Coach Luttrell really makes it a point to spend time with those who actually matter because a job is going to come and go, but your family is there forever. And that's something my dad's always told us. He's had this saying growing up, he's like to me and my brother, he's like, it's us for forever. Like mm-hmm. there's regardless of anything, it's us for. So that's in a nutshell, that's the culture of our program and kind of what we stand for and what Coach Luttrell stands for also. That's awesome. I love that. I, and I like the the Thursday deal because, you yeah. know, I talked to a lot of co- coaches through this and probably the hardest thing is balancing the demands mm-hmm. with family. Yep. So that's huge. Yep. So let me ask you, you know, being a, a young woman in a male dominant field, I mean, what challenges have you seen or or maybe – maybe opportunities, but, you know, kind of talk about that because football is not, you don't see many, many women in, in the sport. So, so, so talk about that for a minute. Yeah. So, and call me crazy, but if anyone tells you that being a girl in a male dominant industry is awful, then they are around the wrong people. I absolutely love working in college football because it challenges me and pushes me to be out of my comfort zone. And I'm, extremely lucky because I work with a great staff. So I'm the only female football coaching staff member at North Texas. Now we have training staff that are female. We have administrative, but I'm the only true football coaching staff member. Technically I'm a coach, but not really in the sense of actually coaching football. So, but the coaches I work with are incredible. They respect me and my opinion. They lift me up and appreciate the work I do. And they just love me as if I was their own daughter or sister, which is, I feel like very rare because, you know, it's being in a male dominant industry and having just a female kind of in there, it can be a little awkward for some people, but our coaches are amazing. And they're, they're like family to me. And I'm very, very fortunate. And so because I have friends that are also in this profession, they don't really have that luxury. You know, they are with a staff that doesn't appreciate them and support them. And so I think it's very rare for me to be able to be in a, a part of something that I'm very comfortable with and happy where I'm at. So, but it, it, there's been a increase in women in college football roles anyway, over the past couple of years. And So I think the coaches and support staff members are getting used to it by now. And so it's almost expected and very rare not to have at least one female on staff, but you know, it's still, you know, a female in college football. It's a 
kind of can be intimidating for some people, but I love it. But call me crazy. <laughs> yeah, so. no, I, no, I think that's good. I think that's a good perspective. And I think, you know, you said it's, it gets you out of your comfort zone. I think that's, oh, yeah. that's where we grow the most is oh, yes. know, when we're, when we're challenged and, and, and uncomfortable. So have you, you know, being a person of faith, any, you ever experience any resistance to that? And, you know, cause I know faith is a, a part of who you are. So any resistance? You know, there, I've not faced any resistance so far now because ten, people tend to be very respectful of, you know, my voice and opinion with my religion because they can have their own opinions of things. I think in college athletics though, there's a fine line to walk with mm-hmm. talking about Jesus because you don't want to put anyone in the situation where they're uncomfortable because that's not the goal of Christianity. In my opinion, you know, I want to spread the love and grace of the Lord by my actions. And I think this world is full of a lot of people who call themselves Christians, but don't actually live that through their actions. And so, and then there's not enough people that are faithful Christians whose goal is to live their life by being a mirror of Jesus. And so that's kind of what I want to do. And that's an important part of who I am. I think, you know, treating how you treat people says a lot about who you are. And in college football, at least, I deal with people from all walks of life, you know, some more difficult than others. So it tests my patience, which is good because I tend to be a very impatient person. Mm -hmm. So it's it's teaching me a lot. And, you know, I want to help whoever I can with whatever they need, because that's how I want to show the goodness of the Lord through me. So I haven't had any resistance, but I have had to learn how to kind of balance that fine line of not making people uncomfortable and, you know, through my actions showing how, you know, good the Lord can be and how an actual person of faith is supposed to live their life. And so, yeah. I love that because so many times, and I think social media has made it worse Mm -hmm. where Christians seem to be the loudest. Yep. But you know, when it comes to serving people and loving people, it's not always matching up with those words. So I love how you're, you know, people are going to respond better if I, if I love them, no matter Mm -hmm. what they look like, no matter who they voted for, no matter who they worship. If I just love them as a person, then, you know, there's going to come a time when they're going to ask why, and then there's that opportunity to share. That's good. I like that because I think we need, Personally, that's a whole other conversation. I won't oh, even go yes. down that. I won't even go down that that conversation because because that's kind of my soapbox if I were to get on one. So, but yeah, I think you're right. It's that you know, it's that serving serving yep. people first and loving people. Yep. Um, you know, you mentioned how the pandemic um, has has changed how y'all do things. You know, in college football, it's changed how we we all do things in life. There's a lot of lessons you know, that, that we've learned through it. I know for me, it's, it's been more time with family, you know, which has been mm-hmm. something that has been good. It kind of forced us to clear the calendar a little bit, but, um, you know, so, I mean, how, is there anything that stood out in the last year that, you know, from a spiritual growth standpoint that you use that downtime, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that looked like for you to, to grow? Yeah. So I, I think I'm a big part proponent of, you know, utilizing 
every little bit of my day that I have because, you know, a lot of it I do spend at work. But with COVID, we haven't been as busy as we would normally be. So instead of planning official visits and having unofficial visits, we might get out a little early uh, one day as opposed to what it normally would be. So I've really been trying to utilize my downtime wisely. So, you know, spending that with my family and then it's given me a chance to watch extra church services or do my Bible study at a different time of the day and really get it, be able to dive into it instead of trying to rush through it just to get it over with for the day. And, you know, I try to uh, read my Bible every night before I go to bed. And sometimes if I'm just especially tired, it'll be one chapter. But if I'm very energized and I go to bed a little earlier, it can be, you know, five. So it's really just utilizing that downtime that I've had and using it wisely, at least. And so that's, that's kind of how I've done it recently with COVID since I've had a little bit more time to spare. And I'm also in grad school. So that takes up a little bit of time also, but it's definitely been nice being able to get, you know, dive a little deeper than what I normally would be able to. Absolutely. So a lot of our listeners are coaches and student athletes and, you know, especially those in the high school level, they have a lot more restrictions, some Mm -hmm. on talking about their faith, Um, So what advice would you offer a coach or even a student athlete that's listening that, you know, is a believer and, and, you know, and they understand the platform they have because athletics is a platform can be used good or bad. They, you know, and they want to want to be a little more bold in their face. So how would you encourage them to take that next step? Yeah. So this is something that I've recently been doing also, but is using social media. So you know, Twitter and Instagram, everybody's on it, especially high school athletes. And so it's powerful for a reason. And so why not use it to share the goodness and grace of God? Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't be afraid to use your voice because uh, there are going to be critics, no, no matter what you put out on social media. And so you have to ignore them and because everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And Christianity is hated on by so many, I think, because They know how powerful we can be if we know how to use our voice correctly. Mm. And so I know there is a fine line with, you know, talking about it in school just because, you know, rules and restrictions that are that some places might have. But that's the beautiful thing about social media is you can be whoever you want on there. So why not use your voice and not hold it back? And, you know, another thing I guess another piece of advice I'd have is, you know, no matter how hard things may seem or impossible they may seem, you know, keep going because something great is around the corner and, you know, you may not be able to see it now, but in a year from now, you definitely will. And that's, you know, kind of the two little pieces of advice I have. And it's kind of what I live by also. So it's, you know, easy for me to share that with everyone. No, that's good because, you know, social media gets a bad, a bad rap because mm-hmm. of the negative. But, yeah. Yeah, you know, if you wake up and grab your phone and you open Twitter or Facebook first thing in the morning, yeah, you're going to see a lot of negative, but there's a lot of good there too. Oh, we yeah. just, I think I was having this conversation with, with uh, my wife and, and kids in the car today that we're just trained 
to see the negative and everything mm-hmm. because the news yep. you know, doesn't show many positive stories. Social media, you know, we, we glorify the negative. So it causes us to, no matter where, whether we're in church mm-hmm. or in school or wherever we are, it seems like we're quick to see the negative. And so I, I like that is kind of using those things for good because I've seen, yep. I can tell you, I mean, just in the last year in the pandemic, um, Twitter alone, there's been there's so many good things happening among mm-hmm. Christian coaches across the country. I mean, it, it's amazing to see what how coaches have come together around faith in the last year that didn't exist two years ago. Mm-hmm. So you're right. I mean, using it for good is is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to ask you just another thing for advice from a daughter's perspective. Um, to that coach that's listening that may be struggling with balancing the demands mm-hmm. and family. I mean, what from just being the daughter of a coach, what would you say to that coach to encourage them in their struggle and balancing? I mean, because the job is yeah provides, right? Yep. But it's not yep. identity. So how would you encourage them? You know, so growing up, I – my second home was at the field house. That's what they called it back then was, you know, the high school football field house. And, you know, the coach is amazing, but I think your wife is even more amazing. And something my dad has said everywhere he's been is that there's a special place in heaven for coaches wives. And Mm. so my mom did an incredible job of, taking us up to see dad after school or, you know, at Clemson, there was Wednesday night family dinners where all the families would come up, but we would still, we would come out to practice and just those little moments of, you know, it may be five or 10 minutes, but I think we did a really good job of understanding that, you know, dad's doing what he loves. And so in order for him to be the best he can be, we need to support him. Mm. And, you know, just for that coach who might be listening that's struggling with this, those little moments matter. So any kind of chance you have to spend it with your family and kids, you know, take it, even if that is just five minutes or you're able to go, you know, watch your daughter's volleyball game or son play his flag football game that may last 30 minutes and you have to run back up to work afterward, like, that stuff matters and that stuff resonates. You know, I'm 24 years old now and I can still remember my dad coming out to, you know, my soccer games whenever I was six or my volleyball games when I was in high school. And I know my brother could say the same thing. And it's, it's hard, but as being the daughter of a coach, you have to just be understanding. And it's, it's a beautiful profession and it we've gotten to know and grow close to players that are still like my brother to this day. And I think it's just worth it in that sense. And if you don't feel like it's worth it, then, you know, don't, don't be in this profession because that's not fair to your players or Mm. the coach you may work for or the school you may work for. And, you know, family is very important at the end of the day. And if that's where, you know, you feel like you're not doing a great job at it, then, you know, there are ways to change that or maybe it's just not the right fit. So, 
but my dad was incredible and growing up and my mom was even better because she gets it and she's really good at entertaining herself and we love dogs and horses. So that's kind of how she would feel her, uh, fill up her time and then driving me and my little brother everywhere under the sun. So I think that's, that's really how we made it work was because of my mom and all the props in the world to my dad. I love him to death. I'm a daddy's girl through and through, but my mom was, is the rock star. So that's, you know, that may not have completely answered your question, but that's kind of how it was growing up for me and what I understand it to be now. No, absolutely. I think um, the one thing I wrote down, because I think it applies to any, any person, no matter what the career is, the little moments matter. Yep. You know, as a dad of three teenagers, I can look back and go, when my kids were younger, I, I know I screwed up those little moments, right? <laughs> I mean, because you get, you get so consumed by work or whatever that there are those mm-hmm. little moments that, you're right. It's just 30 minutes sometimes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's yep. good. That's incredible. So um, this is one of my favorites just because to go back to this one um, over time. So a lot of people have a favorite scripture, a life verse that, you know, you kind of, you go by, or, you know, I like to ask it is, you know, if there's one that, you know, God has shown you recently that you'd share with us. Yeah. So I've, this is one that's actually been my favorite for a while. It's uh, in my Instagram bio, as silly as that sounds, but it's James one twelve, mm-hmm. And the entire book of James is great, but this verse in particular was, is something that's been standing out to me, you know, for the past year and a half. And it's, blesses the man who remains steadfast under trial for mm-hmm. when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which is God, which God has promised to those who love him. And I love this because it's a perfect reminder of God's promise for us. And now don't get me wrong. He's made lots of promises, but this one really sticks out to me because, you know, if I remain unwavering over time and with my eyes solely on him, despite what I'm going through in life, he's going to reward me and reward everyone if they live like this. And so I think it's just a great reminder to no matter what you're going through, keep your eyes on him because he's the only way to get out of what you're going through. You know, you can't rely on social media, you know, can't rely on even advice of other people because they they ultimately don't have the control. So that's, that's been my favorite verse for a while. And I think it'll probably remain that way in the coming years too, because it's a great reminder. It is, especially, um, especially in, in the profession you're in, you know, in the, in the college football world, you're going to face difficult time. Yeah. Not if, I mean, we all are, we all face yeah. it, but in the, the career that you're in, um, it's, it's just, it's, it's when it's not if, yeah. you know, there's, Coaches come and go, and yeah, that's that's good. And just remaining steadfast no matter what happens, that's yeah. that's awesome. So the last question um, is two words in our four word name all in. Um, it's all over sports. I mean, y'all came through Clemson. It's all over, all over the place. Yep. Uh, I think Dabo's made those two words extremely famous. Yes, um, but it's but it's all over. You know, you I've seen it. Uh, girls basketball shirts, wristbands. But it's also, if you look at the life and teachings of Jesus, it's all, it's all over the four Gospels of what it takes mm-hmm. to be a follower of Christ is it's all in. Um, yep. It's denying yourself, taking up your cross. You know, he talks about, you know, not being lukewarm, hot or cold. So I like to ask 
from a practical standpoint, though, you know, what does that look like for you, McKenzie, on a daily basis to be all in in your walk? Yeah, so like you said, Coach Sweeney has had this motto since we were there. I've, it was on wristbands. It was on – he had uh, poker chips that he would hand out that said all in on it and then had the Clemson Paul on the other side. I'm sure I have some somewhere in my house. But, you know, to me, I think people can interpret this in a lot of ways, and this may be a very generic interpretation of it, but I think it's so important is just to be selfless, you know, Mm -hmm. sacrificing your wants for others because in it, for me in a profession where I have to deal with so many people, I cannot be selfish. Otherwise I'm not going to get anywhere. And I've, and that's unfair to those around me. So, you know, and selfless happens to be one of our core values. Like I talked at UNT, like I talked about earlier. And so, you know, just being completely devoted and immersed in what is important to me or the team that I work for or am a part of or play for and just having no hesitation in anything you do. I got great advice today because I had a difficult decision I had to make this weekend. Uh, but one of the people I work with, who's awesome, he, he was like, Mackenzie, if you have any hesitation behind this decision, then you don't need to do it because mm-hmm. that's not fair to you know, the other party in this decision that you have. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. I don't want to do something and have some hesitation behind it because that's just not fair when, you know, there might be somebody out there who would be all in for that. And so, you know, I just think you owe it to those you work for and play with to be selfless and just am completely devoted to that program or that coach or that team, you know, whatever it may be it doesn't even have to be necessarily to sports, you know, being all in for Jesus is something everybody should be. So, you know, that, that's kind of how I, you know, interpret it and walk through my life being all in. It's just by being selfless, which is hard to do sometimes. That's good. Yeah. It sounds simplistic, but yet it's, it's very complex and probably one of the hardest things, at least for me as well. Um, Just because by nature, we're all selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, whether whether we want to admit it or not, I know a lot of people don't aren't willing to admit it. But yeah, we all are, and yeah. it's just who we are. And so I, I think that's I think that's dead on. I like that. I like that word because it's it's one I think that we all probably should think about every day when we wake up. Yeah, you know, as being selfless, Absolutely. and a lot of times we don't. So that's good. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate your time, and thank you for for being willing to to jump on and give us a glimpse of of your story and and encourage us. Yeah, well, thank you. I had a great time, and I'm uh, glad that I was able to come on here and talk. You bet. Thank you again to Mackenzie for taking time to to jump on and share her story, to encourage us to to be transparent, to talk about um, both the highs and the lows, and and how how you walk through those moments, and how important it is to have that foundation of faith is not just for for the good times, but when we do hit that rock bottom spot, we understand that that Jesus is the only rock and the only 
person and relationship that can get us through those difficult times. So thank you again for that reminder. And and thank you for listening. Um, I hope you've been encouraged as much as me. And I, I'd ask you that if you've been encouraged to, to share this episode with a family member or a friend, someone in your life that you think could be encouraged as well. If you're not a subscriber to our podcast, whatever platform you're using right now to listen, just click the subscribe button. There's many more episodes prior to this one, I believe, will encourage you. And there's there's many more episodes like this one coming, so I know you'll want to want to hear those. So again, click that subscribe button. We'd love to hear from you. You can go to our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org, or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, in the search bar. Just type in All In Sports Outreach. Find out who we are, why we do what we do, opportunities to pray, to serve, and to give. Once again, thank you for your support, your encouragement, but most of all, your prayers.